Praise God. I've enjoyed service. I don't know if you. Amen. Did you enjoy Bible study? I could see that today all of you were meditating. You were making your teacher suffer. <laughs> Amen. It's like that, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Well, we bless God for this morning. Amen. I'm glad to come your way again with the word of God. All too soon, February ends tomorrow. I told you the second month is really on wheels. Amen. February doesn't give us time to even catch our breath. But by the time you blink your eyes, it's over. It's over tomorrow. And then Tuesday, we enter into March, the third month of the year. Are we all looking forward to some sunshine? At least we are going to enter into a season of spring. Amen. I really want the spring to come quickly. Yeah, I'm tired of snow. I don't, I don't need no more snow. Amen. <laughs> Last week, we started a series from the book of Jonah. And we were looking at grace in the Old Testament. A preview of grace. And the reason why I called it a preview is because it talks of an advanced showing or a trailer. A preview is not the whole show. A preview is just a teaser. So, I mean, the average believer, I want to believe, knows that the dispensation of grace started in the New Covenant. But if you should read the Old Testament and have a careful look at it, every now and then you will see grace being featured even though that was not his rightful dispensation. Amen. So um, this led us to really look at the book of Jonah. And, and that's where we will be on for some time. So today is part two, and we are going to look at chapter two. Um, the book of Jonah represents to us that God sent Jonah to go to Nineveh a great and a wicked city which was inhabited by Assyrians. Uh, it was an offense to Jonah who was a Jew. Okay, uh, you have to really understand the historicity of, of, of the situation to appreciate Jonah's anger. And I, I want to believe that if any of us were in Jonah's situation, we wouldn't have done any better. So don't even point your fingers at Jonah. None of us would have done any better. Uh, that's that the reality, especially under the Old Testament, where it's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Not that any better. Uh, let's face it. So let's cut Jonah some slack. Sometimes when I hear pastors preaching on Jonah, the way they can lambast Jonah, I'm like, Jonah is really in trouble. I wonder when we get to heaven whether he will be madly irritated at us because I don't think we've represented them well. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. But um, Jonah, who was a Jew, could be angry on three reasons. For socioeconomic reasons. Whenever you are in captivity, you are poor. No matter your status, you become a slave. And when you become a slave, all your possessions now belongs to your captors. You are poor. Something that you have worked hard for now, you will need permission. So for socioeconomic reasons, slavery made people impoverished and live in poverty. 
So if you are telling Jonah who is a Jew to go and minister to them, he has a socio-economic reason why he shouldn't. Because these people have led us into captivity before and we've become poor. Number two, for political reasons, they captured us. They added us as part of their territory. Assyrians and Jews didn't get along. There was a long-standing feud. And Jesus even came to meet it. And number three, for spiritual reasons as well. Because Jews don't mix with other nations. You see, there were only two kinds of nations in the eyes of God under the Old Testament. There was Israel and there were other nations. Why so? Because Israel is the only nation God had cut a covenant with them. Saying, you are my people. You are my firstborn son. You are a kingdom of priests. And I bequeath to you my law. That was not done for all other nations. And there were many other nations during the time of Israel. You have to understand that. There was Assyria. There were many, many nations. Canaan and so on. But Israel was the only, only nation that had an exclusive right and access to God. So spiritually speaking, there were only two nations. You were either a Jew, the chosen one, or you are a Gentile, a foreign nation. In that way, it's even more of an insult. You are a non-Jew. Amen. So Jonah was like, how can I go and minister to my captors? People who are responsible for a dark period in my life. Jonah going to Nineveh, it's like he was confronting a very dark period of his life. Because mind you, Jonah, they had now come to a place as Israel where they were free from the captivity of Assyria, starting to do well. Assyria was also growing weaker and weaker. And then now you tell me to go and preach to my enemies who are now weak. What about Lord, if you favor them and you look at their cause mercifully, would they not become stronger? Would they not grow mighty? And would they not subject us into captivity again? There was every cause for alarm. But what we have to understand about God is that nobody cancels God. And the funny thing is that we sometimes tell God who is deserving of mercy and who is deserving of death. They are, they are just like Jonah. Lord, why do you extend to him grace? And God's question might be to you, why not? Is it, there is one thing that we have to understand. The person that you hate, the person that gets on your nerves, the person that you wish him or her evil, God is madly in love with that person. Understand that. Understand that. So that's the God that we serve. So perhaps Jonah would, would have expected God to have hated the Israel, hated the Assyrians who brought so much torture on Israelites. But God is in love with them. Are you understanding me? Look at what Vladimir Putin is even doing currently. But can I shock you and can I tell you that God loves Vladimir Putin? Do you think God hates Vladimir Putin? I don't think so. If Vladimir Putin today should repent and give his life to Jesus Christ, God will accept him just as he has accepted us. The person that we are angry with, that we are praying that the person should die, 
Remember, God is also madly in love with that person. And, and also remember that one day you were also someone's fiercest enemy. Or you still are. And the person is praying for you. But you seem to be enjoying the courtesies and the divine kindness and mercies of God. Because God is love. So the, the book of Jonah really teaches us something amazing. This brings me to a story. I do remember once upon a time, there's a country in West Africa called Liberia. They had a civil war. So one of the most brutal and most gory civil wars ever in history. You could just Google it up and, and see for yourself. I, I had family that lived in Liberia. So they saw the, the war firsthand and they lived with us for, for, for two to three years before, you know, they said, war, war, war is not uh, anything nice to write home about. Okay, now one of the rebel leaders is a pastor now. He's a pastor, he's preaching the gospel and everything. One, one of the people who really caused the war is a pastor. And you know, they interviewed him, and he still says that Christians are still not embracing him. Christians are still not embracing it's a It's a problem because he, he did a lot, he, he captured the president, killed him. It was that graphic. It, they've even made a movie about it. How that president was, the president was called Samuel Do. He was caught by this rebel leader and was killed. Very graphic situation. But that has his past. Today, God has extended to him grace. He has come to the knowledge of God's grace and truth. And he's a pastor. And he goes about preaching the gospel. And, and he says that it's not easy for him because he's more like a soul. He can't escape that past. That's a very tough situation for him. You know? And it's like the Christians are struggling to even accept that. He has a pushback from Christians, but that is his lifetime. Maybe he might have to lift that. But that was sad coming from him. You know? Because he really felt like he's an outcast. Even though God has called him. People are even, even uh, doubting whether he's truly saved. Is it because maybe he's afraid he will be tried by Den Haag, international war? You know, a whole lot of people have a whole lot of skewed misconceptions. One thing I find interesting about Christians is that we will pray for soul winning, but when people become saved, we start to doubt their salvation. We'll learn about that in chapter 4. Amen. So, that was Jonah. The situation caused him to run. He wasn't going to preach the gospel to people who have hated him, to people who have been the source of his pain, he decided to run. And the Bible lets us know that when he attempted to do that, he never arrived to his destination. Amen. The Bible lets us know that he was going to a place called Tarshish. And Tarshish was a very far place. Amen. Last week, I think I gave you a a wrong um, statistic about that. In fact, going to Tarshish was very far. In fact, Tarshish today is even known as the modern-day Spain. So it was further than Nineveh. He was just going to go away. And, and the feeling that I had when I read the story is that if, if Jonah had gone, he wouldn't have come back. Because that was 3,000 miles. This was going to a very far place. I'm getting away from this place. I'm getting away from the will of God. Just because I have to preach, I'm prepared to travel 3,000 miles. Think about it. Just because you want me to go and preach. 
Because where Jonah was, to Nineveh was 800 miles. And Jonah was like, for me to go 800 miles, I'll do three times. I'm just going to go away and I'm not going to come back. But God arrested his attention. The Bible lets us know that the voyage was not smooth sailing. And for there to be a smooth voyage, they had to throw Jonah overboard. And when they threw Jonah overboard, verse 17 of chapter 1 lets us know that God had prepared a great fish. It's not really a fish that swallowed Jonah. It's a whale, honestly. Because a fish cannot swallow a human being. God prepared a whale that swallowed Jonah. So today we're going to look at chapter 2 of that and continue from there. Amen. So go with me to Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. How did Jonah run from the task of ministering the gospel to ending in the belly of the whale? You see that. So the, the casual or the average person that has head of the book of Jonah, this is the popular thing. He was swallowed by a whale. Amen. So let's read. I'm going to read this from the NIV. So I'm, I'm just looking at the first nine verses. It, it's 10 verses. And then as we go through, We'll proceed with the tenth. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You held me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swelled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. By you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pits, where my life was ebbing away. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your word. I pray that you be the inspiration behind this message. Minister to us, Lord, in simplicity and in clarity of speech. Thank you for answer prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Interesting scenario. Do you know that Jonah was not praying in a church? Jonah was praying in the belly of a whale. That was where he was having church. You, know, you can have church anywhere. Once upon a time, there was a man who had a church in the belly of a wheel. You can have church anywhere. Amen. Now, a whale swallowing a man is not anything new. Yeah, even in this current world we live in, it happened. In 1891, there was a man called James Batley who was also swallowed by a whale. Because he was a seaman and he was the captain of the ship. And they were harpooning a whale. You know, to harpoon a whale means they, 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 they speared a whale, tied the whale to the boat, and then they drag 
known a ship because a whale is heavier than a boat. Tie the whale to the ship and then drag it to seashore. You know, so that, that there are people who are involved in things like whaling. So that was what he was doing. But somewhere along the line, it got violent and the whale swallowed James Batley. And then the people that were with him, because, you know, happening, they speared the whale. So the whale was already weak. So they had enough force to kill the whale and everything. And when they, they, they dissected the whale, James Batley was in there. He was alive, but he was unconscious. And that's 1891. So that's how before. So this is not like out of the ordinary. It, it's something that has been proven here in this app that it, it has really happened, you know. But very interesting that the, the title of today's message is The Heart of God. I really want us to focus and emphasize this morning on the heart of God in this message. Last week, we talked about the average believer's response. And what's the average believer's response? When God will say, go and preach to someone who has caused you pain. Many of us will not go. And, and, and we are not better than Jonah, right? Today, let's look at the heart of God. Uh, Jonah's prayer started with paying tribute to God. And he paid tribute to God's attentive heart. You know, God will listen to every prayer only if you will call on him. When it comes to prayer, God doesn't discriminate. He will hear everybody. Everybody. He will hear everybody. I'm telling you, God will hear everybody. You, listen, you don't even need to be a Christian for God to hear your prayer. That, that is grace. That is the love that God has for us. God hears prayers. And he answers prayers. Why? Because that is how he draws the world to his saving knowledge of grace and truth. And throughout the Bible, there were people who had not come to the saving knowledge of God's grace and truth. Yet when they prayed in their distress, God heard them. Hagar. Hagar was not part of the commonwealth of Israel. But when she prayed, and when God heard Ishmael's cry, God answered their prayer. The Ishmael was not the promised son. The son of promise was Isaac. Ishmael was not. But God had the prayer. And even if you look at the Ishmaelites, the Ishmaelites didn't serve God. The Ishmaelites come out of Ishmael. They didn't serve God. So God hears and answers prayer. He heard backslidden Samson's prayer. You know, in Judges chapter 16, when Samson's eyes were gouged out and his hair was cut off, he was at a place of... A, 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 um, um, he, had, he was in a, in a backslidden state. He's, he was in a state of, let me even use the word, almost apostasy. But he prayed. And when he prayed, the Bible said that his hair began to grow again. That very instant, it started to grow and then the Bible lets us know that that day he killed people than he had ever killed in his entire 20-year reign as a judge of Israel. Uh, he had Israel on many occasions when they repented of evil and when they didn't even know God. Do you know why God saved Israel? Was it because they were, they were believers? No, they were not believers. They hadn't been given the law. God saved Israel because he remembered his holy promise to Abraham. 
That's all. That's why he saved Israel. So Israel's spiritual state didn't warrant God's deliverance. And that's what I, I, I want to explain. He even did a miracle. You know, Jesus represented God the Father. When Jesus came to work on this earth, he came to mirror to us who God is as a father. And, and when Jesus does something, Jesus is making a statement that that is how my God in heaven, my father, that is how he will respond to the situation. Peter was not yet a disciple. He was a fisherman. But God did a miracle for him, which caused him to come back to repentance. Jesus even responded to non-Jews with the gospel. The, the Syrophoenician one is one. She was, she was not part of the commonwealth of Israel, but she received the healing. The Italian centurion, he was not a Jewish man. He didn't even know what the law is. But God saw it fit to heal him. So that's what I'm saying. God responds to prayer. But how be it? It's better to be a Christian so that you can enjoy all the benefits of salvation, every blessing of the new covenant creation, every, every blessing of the new covenant reality, I'm sorry. And, and, and it will not just be here and there. You understand? For, there is a difference between showers and then rain. I'll, I'll prefer to be in a place where I'm experiencing a constant overflow than just to experience showers here and there. So even though God will respond to your prayer, irrespective of whether you have faith in him or not, it is far better and, and it outweighs everything that you are a Christian. You make a commitment to give yourself to him and serve him because God respects relationship. And even though he might answer your prayers, you can't ex experience every blessing. You can't experience every ap appropriate promise of the new covenant until you have made a vested commitment to live for him. So why does God answer prayers of people who have not come into the faith? Like I said earlier on, it's a way of drawing them in because the Bible lets us know that the goodness of the Lord brings man to repentance. Amen. Now, when you read verses 3 to 7 of what um, we just read, it talks about the harrowing experience of Jonah in the belly of the whale. You know, from what we just read, think with me for a moment. It's very possible that Jonah died and was resurrected. Because if you look at the expressions that he was using, it, it can be very possible he died. Because those days when they threw you off a voyage, it was in the middle and in the depth of the sea. And it's not about how much you can swim. It, it, it's very deep. Then they throw you in such a way that you will die. So it's very possible that probably before the, bell, the, 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 the whale even swallowed Jonah, it could be possible he was dead. It could be possible. It could be possible he was dead. It could be possible he was unconscious. But whatever be the case, the grace of God kept him alive. Jonah being in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights typified Christ's death 
when he was in the grave for three days and three nights. And I would like to us to go to Matthew 12, 40, because Jesus used this as a typical example. So go with me to Matthew 12, verse 39 to 40. And when you read the whole background of Matthew chapter 12, Jesus had just finished teaching. You know, he, he, he taught on the unpardonable sin, and a tree is known by its fruits. You can't tell me you are a banana tree, but you are giving birth to apple. It's not possible. And Jesus used this illustration to mirror who people are. You can't tell me you are something, but your fruits, your actions depict something else. It's not possible. So while Jesus was still teaching, the Pharisee says that, Lord, show us a sign. And that was like an insult. It's not that Jesus doesn't want to do a sign, but that was like an insult. Because the Pharisees wanted to tell Jesus that, who are you to teach? What authority do you have? And are you truly the real one? Are you the one that everybody is buzzing about? And Jesus is going to give them an answer. And let's look at Matthew 12, verse 39 to 40. And he answered and said to them, And even an, an adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet of Jonah. And what's the sign of the prophet of Jonah? Verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So when Jesus was talking about the sign of the prophet Jonah, and when he related that, what do you think Jesus was talking about? When Jesus Christ was going to be in the earth for three days and three nights, it signified death and resurrection. And Jesus was saying that I'm not going to show you any more sign because you're an evil and adulterous generation. If you want a sign, you will see one. And it will be the sign of the prophet of Jonah. Just as he was in the belly of the world for three days and three nights, I will also be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And Jesus is talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. And that's why I'm saying that it is possible that Jonah could have died. Because describing the situation carefully, it looked like he died and he experienced the resurrection of God. And like we said, the Pharisees really wanted a sign, but Jesus was not going to give them a sign because up to Matthew chapter 12, Jesus had done many signs. And he did signs because he said, I came in the volume of the book. What his, message, his first message he preached was in Luke 4, 18, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And what do you think he mentioned there? Everything he mentioned there were signs. So Jesus did signs. He healed the sick, raised the dead, he delivered captives, and he preached the gospel and brought the acceptable year of the Lord to people. All these were signs. What more signs do you see? So if I've done all these signs and yet you still want to question my validity and my authenticity of whether I'm truly sent by God, you will receive no more. Because that means you are becoming very deceptive, you are very manipulative, and you are very blind to the facts. 
You claim that you know the Bible. You are very blind to that. You receive no more from me. The only sign you receive from me is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, I'm going to be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Sometimes this has really caused great debate because people are saying that if Jesus died three days and three nights, then he wasn't crucified on Friday. Some said he was crucified on Thursday. You know, it was brought a lot. But you have to understand how the Jewish counts a day. Half a day is seen as a full day. So Jesus was crucified on Friday. I mean, when you read the Bible, you will see that he was crucified on Friday. It's seen as one whole day. It was half a day. It's seen as one whole day. And then he resurrected on Sunday. It's seen as one whole day. Are you understanding me? So the way the Jewish man will calculate the days is different from how we, in this current context, will calculate the days. Do you, do you understand? So even though Jesus woke up on Sunday morning, right? So it's two nights, but the Jewish man doesn't see half a morning. He's, he counts half a morning still as a full day. And that's why it's three days and three nights. So it's not possible Jesus died on a Thursday because scriptures doesn't support that. Are you understanding? It's just how the Jewish man calculates the days. Are you understanding me? So like I said, it's possible that Jonah died. It's possible. Because when you go into the belly of the wheel, do you know how warm that place is? Will Jonah receive oxygen? How is he going to breathe? It's a very uncomfortable situation. But I believe God's love, God's grace resurrected Jonah. Jonah didn't do anything to warrant resurrection. He was walking in disobedience. He was actually going 3,000 miles away when God instructed him. So, According to the law, he deserves death. But God granted Jonah mercy. That's why this story, when we look at the prayer, we have to look at God's acts. And like I explained in our, in our first installment, God's heart is a, is a heart of love, grace, and mercy. And this heart, this heart of love, grace, and mercy was still at work. Jonah being kept in the belly of the whale was a testament of God's loving hearts. He, he was supposed to die. If I they put you da- in, the, in, the, in the deep seas, he was supposed to die by drowning or, or fed upon by any of the aqua animals. You know, but, but, but his life was preserved in an unusual way. He went into the belly of the whale. I miss. The, the will's food and organs. I mean, you know, just think about it. What is really in the belly of the will? The organs, you know, the food. And I'm asking myself, this, this will, when it ate, did it eat for the next three days and three nights? Or did it fast? I'm, I'm thinking about, did it fast or it ate again? Because if it ate again during those three days, Jonah will just be there. The, the breakfast will be coming. The lunch will be coming. Then the, the, the dinner will be coming. And Jonah is staying in this. He's staying among the food. Where is he going? That's, I, I ask myself. 
that was the whale on a fast or the whale was still eating so it, so within 72 hours let's let's just say Jonah Jonah experienced nine square meals of the will. I think Jonah can really write a lot about wills. You can really write a lot about wills. What they eat. He experienced it. He's in the midst of all this. Salivary glands and everything. This was where Jonah was. Jonah was not used to this situation. And friend, listen. Sometimes God will put us in uncomfortable situations to draw us back to his presence. And that's what happened. Jonah had to be in this uncomfortable situation. He should have died for disobedience. But God decided to spare his life in a very unusual way by putting him in a very uncomfortable situation, the belly of the whale. And it forced Jonah to pray to God and remember his assignments. Are you in any uncomfortable situation? It's not demons. Hold your horses. Don't start going on a retreat and then binding and loosing and cursing and, and sending angels on assignments. Look, when you, are, when, you are on this, when you are disobedient and when you send angels on assignment, they won't even come back to report. That should let you know. I sent angels on assignment and they are not coming back to report. That should let you know there is a problem. You rebuke and the situation is not buking. That should let you know there is a problem. So that's Jonah's situation. He was put in an uncomfortable situation. And sometimes we can be in uncomfortable situations because we may have forsaken what God may have told us to do. Today, I want you to ask yourself this question. Have I done all that God has told me to do? Have I? So before you label the situation, ask yourself, what is for this reason why I'm in this situation? I don't know whether I've told you this story before, but I remember when God spoke to me to come to America, I didn't want to come. Oh, I, I I I wasn't going to come. One, I know what is involved in church planting. I said, look, I'm not going to do this again. I've done it once. I'm happy by the grace of God. We are seeing the fruit of our labor. We are growing. Now you want me to go and start. I wasn't going to go. No way. I wasn't going to go. And naturally, I was not really a fan of living in America. I'll be very happy. Because I came to America a lot, even when I lived in England. I came to America a lot. So I was not like really wanting. So I really didn't want to come. The day I made my decision to come to America, I was fired from my job. Very mysteriously. When I received the letter that I was terminated, Jessica at that time was my fiancé. And, and, and at that time, I told Jessica she would come and live in England. So that was, that was the plan. It wasn't a plan like I was coming. She knew she was coming. The day they fired me, I just, I remember, I said, Lord, I'm going. So when, when, I, when, when I came back from the hearing, I told Jessica, look, I'm packing my bag. We are coming to America. We are coming to, I'm coming to stay in America. I just have to flow. And, and that, that is what took me to like respond. I wasn't going to respond. 
I was being disobedient. I knew I was supposed to, I was being disobedient. I was like, no, I don't want to come. I don't, I don't want to come, Lord. It's too, why should I come? No, I don't want to come. But until I, I, I found myself in an uncomfortable situation, it would not have drawn my mind to God's assignment. And that's why I'm saying that sometimes not every uncomfortable situation is a result of demonic attacks. Sometimes you can be in an uncomfortable situation because of sin and disobedience. The wages of sin is death, but God suspended that verdict for Jonah so that he will make an about ten. That is what makes God's grace unfathomable. You can't fathom it. God spared Jonah. He protected him. If Jonah slipped into the abyss of death, God grabbed him out. If he was unconscious, God revived him. Why? Was it because Jonah deserved it? No, it's because of the heart of God. God is love and God is graceful. And Jonah's comment in verses 8 to 9 is very interesting to note. When you read Jonah's comment in verses 8 to 9, it showed that Jonah was very religious. <laughs> because he believed he was not a sinner. And why did Jonah believe he was not a sinner? He believed he was not a sinner because he wasn't worshipping an idol or idols. But the truth of the matter is Jonah was just as sinful as an idol worshipper because he was walking in disobedience. Even though he was a prophet, he believed he was a prophet, he was a Jew, he belonged to the commonwealth of Israel, but he had sinned. That is why he was in the belly of the will. But when Jonah was praying, Jonah never saw himself like I had sinned. And Jonah even got something wrong about God. He said, God, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Which is wrong. Because God says, while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated this love by sending his son to die for us. So that was not the entire truth. So even when someone has not really received Christ as his Lord or personal Savior and hasn't made that commitment, God still loves them. God's love is not turned away from them. So Jonah got the picture wrong. But the funny thing is that Jonah never saw himself as a sinner. Because he believed he was not worshipping idols. And today as you listen to me, I pray may we all repent of self-righteousness and the spirit of religion. That makes us think we are better than our neighbors. Can you believe you are in the belly of the fish? But I don't blame him because this was what he knew. And this was the revelation he had. We are not better than our neighbors. Sometimes you will see someone who may have cheated on his wife and may have had a divorce. You don't have a divorce. You have a stable marriage. But you hide. And you serve porn on your tablet. So you and the divorcee, who is better? None of you are better. But isn't it not so funny that Jesus will say in Matthew chapter 7 that 
that the person doesn't take the plank out of his own eye, but he wants to pay, take the speck out of someone else's eye. And the Lord says that remove your plank. And when you remove your plank, you will be able to see well to deal with the person's speck. None of us, in the truth of the matter is, none of us is better than any other. We are, we, we, we are what we are because we have become active recipients of God's grace. And people who have not received God's grace, it's our job to extend that grace to them and not to judge them and feel like we are better than them. You have it together, not because you are good per se, you have it together because of God's heart towards you. It's a heart of grace, it's a heart of love. And Jonah, having experienced that, God wanted him to also convey his heart to the city of Nineveh. So today, as we listen to this message, God loves you. God has grace. God has mercy. Even though the person might be worshipping idols, might not want to follow God, God's love is not turned away from them. The prophet got it wrong here. God still loves them. And for this reason, you and I have to make a concerted effort to make the love of God known to them because God's love has not turned from them. Now look at verse 10. My last verse. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. You see, so Jonah did not experience deliverance because of the prayer per se. Because the prayer was wrong. <laughs> because Jonah, did Jonah really repent? He didn't see himself as a sinner. He didn't see himself as walking in disobedience. God was looking at the bigger picture of Ninevites being included in the commonwealth of Israel. And God also looked at Jonah's attention being drawn to the task. He said, it's good enough. He spoke to the fish. Can fish hear human voices? But God created a miracle, spoke to the fish and said, let him out. I am the creator. Let my son out. Vomited him out. And then next week, when we do chapter 3, we will see the story of what happened after Jonah had been vomited out. Can you imagine Jonah? He's full of fish, vomits, and everything. I can't imagine, and all the meal and everything. He's just been vomited out. It's a picture of grace, though, because that guy should have been dead. Should have been dead. So today, I just want us to understand God's heart and God's love. I know for now, the world, we all hate Vladimir Putin. Because potentially, he could cause World War III. And nobody wants that. But let me tell you something. God's heart of love, grace, and mercy is even extended to that tyrant. And if he receives Christ as his Lord and personal Savior, God will receive it. And when God receives him, let's not criticize. 
it should let us believe more in the God who doesn't allow people to die and perish in their sin. But he is slow. Not slow as some people count slackness, but he is slow concerning his impending return so that all will come to the knowledge of his grace, mercy, and truth, and none will perish. That's the God we have to see. So today, don't discount somebody. Don't count somebody out. The person is in that sin because God is counting on you who have experienced his grace and mercy, who know his heart to extend that to other people. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We give you praise for today. Father, we pray that we will walk with the attitude of grace. We will see through your lens. And above all, Lord, we will do your word. We will win souls. We will make your name known. May we not discount people. May we not say that's the end of that person. But may we see people that your love, your mercy, and your grace can reach towards them. And we will be the conduits of that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.